Welcome to our Reimagine podcast series, Reimagine Mobility, here with Alan Berger. Thank you, Alan, for joining us. You have a tremendous history in all sorts of different industries and technologies. And now you've moved into a consulting role with a consulting company. Maybe to start out with, before we kind of talk about how you see mobility in, in your main industry that you're currently consulting in and where you're also coming from, and how you reimagine with your clients the mobility in the future in that space. Tell us a little bit what you've done in the past and what do you guys currently do? Yeah, thanks, Steph. I'm really glad to be here today. Uh, so just a, a little bit of background about me. I, I am actually an electrical engineer by training. I've been in the industry for 30 plus years. I don't think I don't know exactly how many, over 30, but uh, uh, came up through uh, uh, first a startup actually that worked in the hazardous environment space, worked on autonomy. So I was working on autonomy in the 1990s. Uh, spent a number of years at case slash CNH. I was actually there twice. Uh, and in between uh, a big stint at the Volvo Group, mostly in the construction equipment business. When you look back, Alan, over the last, again, you said, I don't know how many 30s, but let's say just say 30 years, okay? Over the last 30 years, what has happened in the mobility space? Uh, again, we're talking Volvo, CNH, all those areas, and, and the variety of different technologies uh, that happened over those years. What has surprised you the most when you're now looking where we are today, 2023, looking back? What has surprised you the most? I, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, if I think about the first technology plans I was building in the 1990s, uh, there's nothing on there that we haven't we aren't talking about right now. So it's actually well connected, but we thought we would be there like 20 years ago in almost every space. Maybe electrification's a little new, but connectivity and automation, everyone was on this path that far back and uh, obviously missing a whole lot of technology in some cases. Uh, but also, and maybe we'll get to this uh, when you talk to connectivity, it's not really technology that's been missing. It's actually more the enablers for customer adoption. And, and, and when you look at some of these things, I mean, you know, I go back to a more recent example, right? In 2017, everybody in the passenger vehicle space and from China to Europe to the U.S. said, oh, by 2020, latest 21, maybe absolute push 22, you're going to drive in an autonomous vehicle. I'm not going to do a, whatever, a polling here, but very few of us have, if ever, truly in an autonomous vehicle driven. And, and now nobody is talking about that anymore. So when you kind of take this and say, what have you experienced? And more importantly, forgetting the past for a moment, but looking to the future, what do you believe is actually quote-unquote real and what is still a little bit not really reality? And we're not only two years out, we're really 10 or, or even more years out. What, what do you see, Alan, from your perspective? Yeah, so, so I think all these technologies go through a hype cycle, you know, and there's lots of potential. There's great things they can do. And when you first get some hints that they might be viable and might, might start to work, I, the market just goes nuts and starts assuming that you're going to get the 100% solution in the next few years, where, whereas the reality, I think, is that you're getting relatively predictable incremental innovation that drives the main 
uh, adoption in the market. And I think there's a few reasons for this. One, one of which is the uh, end user's ability to absorb the technology. It's really hard, especially if you think about the off-highway space, to go from, you know, I'm making manually digging to digging with a machine to I've got to press a button, which means I have to plan everything out completely and things like that and, and have it work automatically. Whereas what is happening in the market and is happening in volume is incremental functions that make it easier to operate the machine. So can I make it a little more efficient? Can I make that new operator operate as well as my good operators? Can I make my good operators work well for 12 hours a day, not six hours a day? And those kinds of technologies, which have been around for a while, adoption's really moving, are, I think, are really the path. And then you can build on that. So you go from, you know, in that world, to talk about 2D machine control, or 3D machine control, and, and beyond. So coming, but that's not full autonomy. It is incremental automation. So I think talking about automation is actually more relevant in the industry. And maybe just one other comment on kind of general autonomy path and where, where all that hype has been to your comment before that for years past when, uh, when people said that there would be autonomous cars out there. My view is, uh, has been for quite a while and still is, we're actually missing a significant technological advancement for on-road autonomy. So you think about trucks, you think about cars, anything like that, we're not there yet. And to be able to really do it effectively, efficiently, broadly, like people were imagining a few years ago. If you take the ag space, though, uh, it's probably the most conducive to full autonomy or close mm -hmm. to full autonomy where you get the nice combination of relatively uninhabited. So your environment's pretty stable, uh, and well controlled. So if you can do it anywhere, that's where you can do it. You see some of that happening, but even that true adoption, uh, is, is taking quite a while. Right. That's a very good point. Alan, you've taught me in the past about what I think your consulting group company calls the triple technology challenge, right? Connectivity, e-fuels, and then the new business model, which I think is very interesting that that is part of a technology challenge as well. Alan, tell us a little bit about that and, and where that framework comes from and, and how you see that playing out uh, going forward, right? Yeah, yeah, and maybe a, just a comment about the about the consulting business. Uh, you know, so we are a commercial vehicle focused uh, organization, and uh, and we kind of found a niche out there that's uh, unfilled. You know, there's plenty of great big consulting firms out there, uh, lots of strategic capability, but we bring that hands-on practitioner experience that also has a lot of domain knowledge around vehicles. So all of our partners are former C-suite executives uh, from within the industry. So as we look so to the triple technology challenge, our view is that the industry, and whichever one we want to talk about here, at least in commercial vehicle space, is undergoing the largest technology transformation ever. 
And so the uh, construction equipment world kind of adopted, or they kind of did adopt hydraulics in the 1950s and 60s. It turned it upside down. Every player that was there is gone in its original form. Some of them have been, you can trace their histories because they've got bought by somebody else, but they're essentially gone. It, it disrupted it massively. What we're doing right now is even bigger in terms of change. And, and so we look at, we basically bucket the uh, different technologies, automation, so that's what we were just talking about a fair amount, connectivity, which uh, shows up typically in telematics, but then to broader things, you think about ag space, uh, farm management information systems and things like that. Uh, and then we prefer to talk about alternative fuels, not electrification. So electrification is a subset of alternative fuels, but depending on how you like to count, there's like 20 different fuels out there. And the reality of the real world is that different fuels will be used in different applications in different parts of the world. So you get a much more complex environment. And we all, all of us in the industry think that dealing with different emissions levels on diesel around the world is difficult. And it is. But this is going to explode in complexity because we're going to have the different regulations and different environmental conditions, different infrastructure that's going to make different fuels more viable in different markets. And then different fuels tend to be more viable to different applications. So we take that whole broad space and call that alternative fuels. And then you put all that together, you look at the impact on the OEMs and the customers and you start saying, well, one, there's some great stuff in there that'll enable new ways of going to market, new business models. On the one hand, on the other hand, it actually may force uh, some changes in business models as well. So we put it all together. We say we call that the triple technology challenge, and this is, I think, really the core of what the industry is wrestling with today. Let me take you in a direction that also interests me to hear your perspective right out of your. Uh, experience, and I know some of our le uh, listeners and viewers here are in a similar position. So, what is your advice today for a leader leading a company, leading a, a division that's part of this industrial or industry transformation? Again, alternative fuels, batteries, hydrogen, e fuels, whatever you want to call them, the connected world, the AV technology, the 365 days a year, every second we're connected, our tools are connected, they work for us autonomously or controlled remotely, whatever it is. And then the new, as you exactly said, the triple technology challenge, right? These new business models coming in. What's to you, based on your experience and based on what you see looking forward, what's the most important, maybe two or three characteristics that, that, a, that a leader in this industry needs today to really look at and, and, and address, right? And I think I speak for both of us when we say we go back 20 years, <clears throat> the number of balls we had to juggle were maybe 20 different things, right? That we have to figure out with the strategy and how to execute today. I'm going to say it's five times as many from, you know, ESG to sustainability to technologies that if you listen to one guy, he says it's the best, you listen to the other guy, that is the best. How in the world am I going to figure out what tool is the best? So what do you see the two or three key things that, that a leader needs to look at or have as a, as a characteristic maybe going forward when we talk to reimagine mobility? Yeah, so, so I can think of a few things here. 
I, I, number one, to, right to what you were talking about there, uh, think, doing your own thinking, not following that hype out there and that noise, but step back and say, what is realistic? What what are the signals I need to be watching? So, so that things are moving quickly. There are surprises that happen out there. So what do I need to be watching so I don't get so enamored with some technology, so overcommitted to it that I'm ignoring the traditional products? So I think you need balance, but you also need a real strategy. There, there's something else we tend to talk about, which is the uh, what we sometimes see is actually the chaos happening in the supply base where you have former competitor or complementers competing now because everyone chased the same thing in electrification and it's like they forgot about all the traditional driveline stuff out there that they're going to need to have available and evolved for another 20 plus years so i think doing your own thinking really paying attention to those signals is really really uh critical i another one that i'm just super passionate about is thinking about the skills you need in the organization so while, yes, you can hear a little skepticism on speed of transformation, but transformation is happening. Man, uh, and this is changing the skill sets you need and doing that right. Not just, you know, so it's obviously more towards software, you know, and hiring a bunch of software guys is maybe necessary, but it's just the beginning. It's not where you need to be ultimately. When, when you look at all the areas that you are involved with, again, when we, we, you know, heavy-duty trucks, commercial vehicle, agricultural, mining, that's, I think, some of the areas you, you, your expertise and history and experience is in, what are you mostly ex, uh, excited about from a technology perspective that's happening in that industry in the next five years? Is, is it the electrification or what you guys call it, what you call maybe alternative or e-fuels, right, alternative fuels? Is it is it the autonomy piece? Is it the that the equipment more than ever is part of a much larger ecosystem thanks to connectivity? Is it the productivity increase? But where do you look at and say, wow, this is really going to be exciting and I'm look, really looking forward to living through it and helping com companies transform into it to help accelerate? But what are some of those some of those areas? Yeah, so so when I think about that, I I actually tend to think about the productivity opportunity that exists from looking at systems. So instead of looking at individual machines, looking at how that machine interacts with the environment, with other machines, uh, with the other processes. So whether we're talking about a farm or we're talking about a construction site, and this is mostly an off-road story, you know, I think it's well known that construction as an industry has got some of the maybe the slowest productivity growth of any industry mm. out there and there's lots of reasons for that but i think connectivity but also other technologies that are uh, coming along now start to provide the data so why, why is uh, construction so slow well it's we're very variable environments, often very customized things, lots of players. Mm -hmm. Gale Farm is complicated, but it's a relatively nice environment. You can control the number of contractors or people and interacting with the farm. On uh, a construction site, there's many, and it's by necessity. And, and because of all of that complexity and noise and difficulty in getting data, 
you haven't been able to drive productivity. You think about the evolution that's happened in factories for the last 20 something years for we, it's very data driven and had amazing impact uh, on productivity of factories. I think now connectivity, some of these other te related technologies, maybe some of the AI technologies also will enable you to do that same analysis on job sites, find those opportunities and drive productivity. Um, I do think, you know, back to your kind of comments about as a senior leader and, and the industry, what to think about, I think also for the machinery guys, you need some humbleness. The biggest problems are actually more in planning and managing the project. So some of the earliest places that you see real benefits actually are coming a little bit outside the machines. Right. Machines will be a factor in that. It's certainly a site prep operation as machine heavy. It, they're a big factor, but they're not the only factor. And one of the real learnings, uh, actually all my partners found is we all came out of OEM roles essentially. And we stepped back and looked at the industry was, you know, we're not, the OEM view of the world is actually not quite the balanced view of the world. You need to look at it a little more broadly. You essentially get me to my next question. And you talked a little bit about data, right? And I mean, I, I look at when I drive on a highway and I see, you know, construction sites, you know, street construction, right? Uh, you know, sometimes make the joke for every person working, there's four or five standing around, right? And they would rank with productivity, with automation, that shouldn't be the case, right? And then farming, not an expert in farming. When I was young, I helped a friend out in high school on a farm every once in a while. So I had a little bit of an idea, but that's many years ago, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, all these companies that are out there, and you mentioned some of them you worked for, right? I look at the other one, uh, the Caterpillars, the John Deere's, the Bobcats, uh, Honda Construction, Hyundai Construction, all of those guys. Everybody talks about all these more advanced tools of a quick you I know a return on investment so much faster. Ellen, are these tools, <clears throat> these machineries, these mobility vehicles, are they too far ahead for really what the majority of end users are using? So I get in 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 construction and in, in, in farming or are these areas, construction and farming here, just not visible to me, but they are really heavy users of lots of data, lots of analysis of connectivity of a of an ecosystem that really allows you to bring these these productivity gains and 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 making these industries more safe for the for the workers, right? More productive, all of this. Can you share a little bit of light on on, on that? Yeah, actually, I think you can you can look at it and come to either conclusion. You know, I kind of give you my perspective to stitch that together. So there is a lot of technology that's available out there, and and the. And, the mainstream adoption, while it is moving along, as I said, I said earlier, it's well short of the highest tech stuff you can go by. And, and so there's a missed opportunity, you could say, from the one hand. But why why is that? And I, I think there's a couple of things here, depending on which, which piece of technology we talk about. If you talk about all that data, you know, or just a moment ago, and, and all that great opportunity I was talking about, well, the challenges right now, what you get, and and so telematics has been around for 20 years. I launched a system in 2001, I think. Um, 
is that it's data. It's lots of data. And if you look at a typical construction operation or even a farming operation, you don't have that industrial engineer whose job is to manage the data and look for productivity. That the roles don't even exist in most places. It's starting to appear in bigger, the biggest contractors. So what's missing is taking taking data to insights. So if you can provide that operator, do this now, not here's a bunch of data, go look at it in the office and decide what you did wrong, or you could be doing better. Yeah. But right now you need another truck here. Right now you need to slow down that cycle time just a little bit. You'll burn less fuel and you're not getting anything from that extra cycle time. That kind of insight, uh, that comes in real time is what we're missing right now to really drive adoption around connectivity and and with and connecting, you know, adoptions coming from getting benefits. And so if you don't get the benefits, you're not going to adopt. So I, I think that's one major that's really one major gap. There's there's another gap, it maybe applies a little more to the automation side, which is OEMs, I said a few minutes ago, OEMs tend to be a little bit, we'll view the world from their eyes. Uh, we, yeah, we're chasing features. We need to worry about our competitors and make sure we have all the features. But these technology offerings get dumped on the dealers, uh, just like a machine. Dealers know what to do at a machine. You can launch the machine, give them a very short update on, we change this, we change this, it's a little better. They get that. Uh-huh. But when you dump the technology offering on them, they don't. They are, they are missing people with skills in, all, in that area in a lot of cases. They don't understand the implications of connecting it. And, and frankly, they're busy. To you know, so, and they know how to sell the iron. So they focus on that rather than let's go invest a ton of time to sell this incremental technology feature that may not even sell at a high enough price. Um, to attract sales energy, which yeah. emissions of roughly. Um, so, so I think there's a there's a missed opportunity here to close that gap in communicating, training, building up the skills around some of these technologies that will help drive adoption much better. We have this great technology that's what you shared. I, I completely agree with you that that they, it's not the problem of data. I think we probably have too much data. It's how we interpret it and how we present it, right? I mean, we see this. I see this on a daily basis when I do management presentations. I got more than enough data. Which one to pick? What is the right one? How to interpret it? But then how to present it is, is key. When, when we look at the automotive space for a moment, right, and we look at the transformation when it comes to autonomous and and either EV or maybe hydrogen or whatever it is, there's this big concern, and it's still there. How do we convince the public? Maybe not us in Detroit, where you know we're all worked for automotive companies and we love the technology for different reasons, right? But forget for a moment, not everybody grows up with a car with a dad or a mom that works for an OEM or a techno- automotive technology company. So how do we overcome that, the barrier or the mindset of the of the end user, of the consumer, of a passenger vehicle, or in the case we just talked about, of a, of a construction worker, a construction company, uh, a, a farmer, or a, a much larger group of farmers, how big of a challenge is this in, in, in your industry to really accelerate adoption, right, of these things? 
Yeah. So, so I think if you take the commercial side of things, which has a very different dynamics on adoption than, than passenger cars, which are a consumer product and commercial products are somewhere from hardcore industrial products that, you know, business case driven to somewhere in between, because uh, the owner operators, there's still some emotion in that decision. But by and large, I, I think it's uh, two things. One, being able to really demonstrate the business case. Where is the return? Where is the benefit? How is this going to make someone more money? But making it understandable and really clear. You know, we, we have a saying in our business that relates to how we consult, but also I think applies here that you need to be able to capture the value. You know, If your customer is not capturing the value, your customer will walk away. And I think this is true in essentially any any business, especially one where it is more uh, business decision, less than emotional decision. Side. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that is uh, one piece of it. And then the other one is actually connected to what we were just talking about in terms of education. So the return might be there and you might be able to get someone to see it, but if they do not have the skills, the understanding, they have fear over the technology, oh, that's a lot of computer stuff, you know, that's not me. Um, that is also a problem and you need to make it easy. You know, so again, even some of that generate useful insights, don't dump data on people, things like that, any, but also training skills and driving skills through the industry. And I think any player in the industry can help support that by creating opportunities for training to improve the skills because it's, um, you know, last point on that, it's it's not you want to hire a bunch of software guys that mostly only know about databases and things like that. You need the knowledge of the industry. You need that domain knowledge. So you really to solve that challenge, you need to bring the skills up uh, and transform the skills with people that already have some knowledge of the industry. Last question. Yeah. What's going to be the next car you're going to buy, Alan, and why? Ah. <laughs> Interesting question, because I, I must admit, I, uh, I only own gas-powered cars right now, some, <laughs> some with enormous engines. Uh, <laughs> and, and frankly, the next car is probably going to be a truck, because uh, <laughs> I, one of my favorite side things is uh, I renovate houses. And, oh, okay. It's, it's getting a little annoying with uh, even decent-sized SUV. <laughs> Hey, it's a good reason. It makes perfect sense. So that's good. But I have thought, I keep on looking at electric or electric trucks. They go, well, that'd be a nice way to get into electric vehicles. But we got to gotta get someone, get one that has real towing capacity. Yeah, I'm sure. Very good. Thank you so much, Alan, for your, uh, for your time and your tremendous experience and insight into this space and how you, together with your space, kind of reimagine mobility in the future. It's been, been great talking to you. Thank you, Alan. Yep. Fun discussion. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.